Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host on Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Today, we're so pleased to have in our studio Mr. Peter, Mr. Peter Watts, the co-founder and CEO of Solutionize. Peter, welcome to the program, and thank you for interrupting your very busy schedule and to join us to share with us your thoughts on leadership. Yeah, thanks, Darrell. Appreciate it. Pleased to be here. Now, Peter, we met some time ago at a VC conference, and I guess instead of... Um, talking about what was going on at the VC conference, we started to talk about sales and leadership, and, and hence, here you are now to interview with us. But before we dive into that, share with our audience a little bit about your experience and your background, because you have a very rich experience that involved IBM and several other companies. Sure, thank you. Um, well, my education won't take very long. I was, uh, I started, I left school at 17 um, in the UK, and it was one of the new schools in the 50s uh, designed to help people get into technology and science. And uh, when I left, the year I left school, my father retired. I had to find a job. And I was very, very fortunate to be hired by Shell Oil Company in a very innovative um, new program that was a, a, a high-level um, graduate intake program for, for computer programming and management. And I was an experiment. I was one of two non-graduates that joined the class. So uh, a very high-profile team of people and two non-graduates. So I was one of the lucky ones. Um, I worked at Shell for two years, became a consultant at the ripe age of 19 um, when the computer industry was just beginning. Went to work in France when I was 20. Started my first company at 21. And I have a, a career of founding, funding, and managing technology companies in a uh, number of different places around the world. And uh, as I've, I, sadly, I heard the Stones say that they uh, transcended five decades of business. I've been in business over five decades, uh, albeit I'm relatively young and youthful. So um, in terms of experience, I've run a, a systems integration and consulting company for about 20 years. We operated in... Uh, out of the UK, Germany and the US. I opened up the US operations here in New York back in 1978. One of the first um, uh, first tenants of the World Trade Center. Very proud to say that. Operated projects in uh, Africa, Middle East, Southeast Asia, Australia, Central America, South America. A very eclectic career. Uh, ran that consulting company for 20 years, uh, turned it into a software company sold that software company to IBM about 13 years ago. Uh, in between, I took a few years sabbatical and built a, a business that automated college recruitment in the US, which was uh, a forerunner to Facebook. I wish I'd have had the, uh, the, the, the time is everything, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I worked, we sold the business to IBM. I, I um, worked there for a short period of time, left IBM, and uh, started some other companies in, in the web space, which led so to Solutionize. Have, have you sold two companies to IBM? No, not yet. Okay, no, no, because no, uh, when you said <laughs> close. You, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sold one to <clears throat> IBM and I worked there after that, okay. uh, that transition, but I've worked around IBM and its sort of ecosystem for, for 20 years and um, all over the world, basically. So um, most of the, my consulting business, most of my technology businesses have been 
associated with large tech firms like Hewlett Packard, um, like IBM, like Dell, like Oracle, Sybase. So um, there's a huge ecosystem behind all of those companies that we've, mm -hmm. I've always sort of been in the um, tailwinds of, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, being that you're, you've had a number of companies over many different continents, you've had to deal with not only leadership in a, in a, a UK culture, but an American culture, a German culture. Um, what, are the, what, are, what are the differences uh, in leadership when you're dealing in a multicultural environment? It's a, it's a broad question. Um, there, there's a few fundamental issues about humanity that, that make uh, leadership easy. Um, one's good manners, one's um, listening carefully, one's uh, accepting differences between people, um, one's having a good sense of humor because things aren't straightforward. Uh, Churchill once said that America and Britain are two great countries divided by a common language. It's very true. I've, I've lived here 35 years, had a business here 35 years, and I'm still, I'm still viewed as outside sometimes, uh, which doesn't hurt or harm, but it's a, an acknowledgement. And I think leadership <coughs> means having the confidence to deal with differences and recognize them in others, but recognize you're different as well. Mm -hmm. Now, your son, you have two sons. And they're, they're, they're born here in the U.S., so they're American citizens, or they have dual citizenship? They're dual. They're yeah. dual. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they, they took my leadership. Um, my leadership guidance to them early in life was uh, don't get a real job. Uh, try and follow your, your interests, you know, when you, when you, as you grow. And they've uh, followed me to the letter. As you know, they, they run a band, and they've been doing that for seven years. They started a band just at the time that, the market was um, going down to free downloads and uh, mm -hmm. pay to play, effectively. So the market's changed a lot. And for, for them, I see leadership in them. That the leadership is dealing with market difficulties. Right. So I think back, back to your point about... Yeah, but their band is called the Sexy Heroes, correct? Yep, correct. And they have a, they have a new uh, CD coming out. They have out, a new so. CD coming well, out. So when, good when, plug. Yeah, no, but, but when is it coming out? I mean, we're, we are at WSOU, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, they played their... They <coughs> featured their last album at WSOU. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, they mm -hmm. played here. Um, it's coming out in about two months, okay. and uh, it's really very progressive. It's a bit between Green Day, Pearl Jam, Blink One Eighty Two, mm -hmm. and it's sort of modern rock. And their music appeals to young and old. So they've got seven-year-old fans, and they've got sixty-year-old fans. So that's right. That's right. I, I saw quite a few young uh, folks. When I say young folk, I'm talking about folks uh, between uh, what eight and fourteen at their last set. That was yeah. in, that was in New York. Yeah. Yep. They're, um, they're, they're, they're <clears throat> interesting issue on leadership. You know, one of the things that we talked to the kids about was to come up with a style of music that was true to to what they believed in. And that would transcend generations, mm -hmm. would transcend gender, would transcend, uh, transcend race and culture. Just to have happy, sort of positive music. And I think mm -hmm. that's something that I've, over the years, um, continued to, to push into anybody I deal with. Because I think it's one of the most important leadership traits to, mm -hmm. to have a balance and a happiness and a, and a naturalness about you. So right. You know, it's interesting. I was uh, coming back from Chicago uh, the other day on a plane and I happened to s be sitting next to a gentleman who is a German industrial psychologist and he had just come from Wyoming where he needed a two-week break he likes to do Western riding 
And uh, of course, I didn't know what his occupation was until we started talking. <clears throat> he told me he was an industrial psychologist. So I asked him, so what does he specialize in? And he says, I specialize in helping people to get to their level best. And I, I work with them to get the fear out of themselves. And I said, could you explain that a little bit more? He says, well, you know, instead of saying, you know, putting pressure on you, say, you know, I got to do this. I need to do this. He says, let's be more relaxed. Let's just say, you know, I would like to do this. I would like to achieve that. And he gave me an example. He asked me to, to cite something that I wanted to do. And I did it. And I actually felt more relaxed about that. And I, and I find that in leadership, sometimes leaders are, are too wound up. And, and unfortunately, it, it, it comes out the wrong way towards their, their, their team members. What has been your experience? Well, certainly balance and anything. Um, you know, I've, um, I've played sports at a senior level in a few different sports. I've um, taught subjects. I've led in teaching. I've led in uh, running businesses. I've, I've taught entrepreneurs. And I think in every situation, um, balance is the real key. Uh, wh when you become the subject and the object, it's a real problem. You, mm -hmm. you really need to, uh, you need to distance yourself you need to focus more on the mission uh, than the execution of it. And people that get wound up and get too involved <coughs> are generally um, micromanage. Um, the, you, you, you asked the question about leadership, which is the subject of today. Leadership really changes according to the type of business you're in as well. Mm -hmm. So um, in, in thinking about coming here today, and thanks for the invite, I appreciate the opportunity very much. Um, I thought of three things. That, that companies are either um, innovators or they're repeat businesses. So, for example, if you open a new store some, and there's 10 other stores, it's a repeat business. If you're innovating and doing something brand new, um, the leadership required for those two things are really different. If, you, if you're looking at small, medium, large businesses, um, the leadership requirements on those are very, very different. You've you, you got to think really differently. Uh, to, to, to run a large company, a CEO of a very large company, the issues are fundamentally different than they are from a small or medium-sized company. And then you have to look at whether a business is an existing business or um, a startup business or a turnaround business. So you've got sort of the stage of business that's, uh, that, that really shapes the leadership. So my, my experience with leadership is more focused on small innovative companies. Uh, <coughs> a few of the companies, including the current one I run, Solutionize, which, is, uh, which I'll talk about momentarily, uh, these, the, the, all of my businesses have been characterized as 10 years ahead of their time, using technology to provide a new service, provide things that people don't know they need yet. So the leadership for that, I'll talk more about that than any other category. Um, the leadership required for that it requires 24-7 uh, focus and, and listening uh, to pick up trends in the market because you, you're really in front of trends and you're trying to influence trends. Secondly, you need um, one of the leadership traits that I think are really important. You need to get that inner circle of people around you. You need a, 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 always you need a business partner in that situation. You can't do everything on your own. And you need a group of advisors that are strong, honest, uh, decent people 
that actually care about what they're telling you, uh, which is not true in large companies necessarily. You know, tr trying to pick a leadership team in a large company is very different than a leadership team in a small company. So the, the requirements of, of the people are considerably different. So I, th I think you need a good partner. You need a, a good advisory team around you. Uh, you need not to do things part-time. Some people try and start new businesses and lead in a part-time way. You absolutely can't do that. You can't do anything part-time. <coughs> I think they're three of the uh, most important traits. And, and the ability to over-communicate. Um, somebody once, um, I was explaining one of my early businesses to a potential prospect. A good friend of mine who was chief marketing officer at Sun Microsystems before they got acquired by Oracle. And he said to me, you know, he said, you over-communicate. And I started to get defensive. And he said, no, 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 it's a strength. He said, when you're doing something new, you have to over-communicate because people only ever hear 10% of what you say. So you need to say a lot and know that only 10% is going to be absorbed. He said, and when you're doing something new, you have to continually, continually communicate about it. And you have to be adaptive. You have to listen to what you're hearing and adapt your thinking somewhat as you're innovating because there's no straight line in innovation. And I just want to leave you on that point, just one really mm -hmm. important thought from Peter Drucker, the management consultant, mm -hmm. uh, the great management consultant. He, he um, at the opening address at Claremont University where he was the, the chair, he said, I've learned more from listening to myself for 30 years than from anybody else. And, and I think that is, at the end of the day, you actually have to listen to yourself really, really carefully. And most mm -hmm. people overlook that thought. Most people throw out questions to others and they blow with the wind uh, to a degree. But listening to yourself, listening to the truth in yourself is, is, I'd say, one of the key issues in leadership. You have to be prepared to change your mind and know why you're changing it. You know, that, that, that brings up a good point. I was on the phone with um, an organization that I'm negotiating an agreement with and we've been working on the proposal that she's going to present to her board. Uh, we've been working on this for the last, really, two months, you know, going back and forth. And here she's the executive director, and she's really investing time to make sure that my proposal is as best as it can be. And one thing that I, I'm exceptionally proud about myself is I've been working on my project for three years, but I just made three key decisions today that I'm going to, that I've changed because of the input that I got from her and really two other advisors in the marketplace. And you got to be flexible. You got to know when to pivot, you know, because at the, at the end of the day, what is the overall objective? And, 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 and oftentimes I find that uh, leaders or, or subordinates or, or team players, um, they, they're holding on to something and they won't let it go. Yeah, you need humility. Uh, I, I, th I think to a degree that's humility. You have to be prepared to say you've changed your mind, explain why. First you have to explain to yourself. Right. Um, and <coughs> you have to really, really, um, it comes back to judgment. And, uh, you know, if, if you're innovating anything, um, there, there's no straight line. There's no proven path to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I sold my last business to IBM, my, my wife said to me, um, she said, I hope in your next business you're more than five years ahead of the market. And I, and I proved to be wrong. I, I, I was 10 years ahead of the market in this. <laughs> we invented this um, social business platform to mm -hmm. help people sell solutions more effectively in, mm -hmm. the, in the tech market. And um, it was only with the recognition of the cloud 
computing, mm -hmm. um, with the concept of Facebook going public and bringing attention to networks, real, real networks. Um, and then a year later, somebody saying, well, we should apply that to business. It's taken 10 years to, to catch up. We were there 12 years ago with our product and it's taken 10 plus years to get recognized. So to, to deal with that, you need a degree of humility and real inner strength. And mm -hmm. I think if you don't have those, um, being, in it, being a leader in an innovative company, small company, isn't a good thing. I think you, sh you need to know that about yourself, first of all. I'd like to go back to a comment that you made of not being the subject and the object. Could you go into detail what you mean by that? I had, um, had a systems integration company. Um, based. At, we had offices in, in uh, mainland Europe, in Germany, in the UK, and in New York, and Dallas, and Florida. <laughs> Quite a few offices. and. Um, my business partner at the time, uh, great guy, but driven, hardworking, conscientious, diligent. Um, he used to think he was the company. He used to talk about it in the first person, you know, as though he was the company. Um, so he was both the subject of discussion, and, and his discussion was about the object, which was himself. And it became circular. And it, when you start to think you're the company, you, you know, you, you can't scale the business, number one. Secondly, um, you tend to irritate everyone around you that's called team. As they say, there's no I in team, you know. And um, I think that's really what I meant by that, that comment, that you, you, need to, you need to think of a business as an entity that's, um, that transcends you. It's sort of the umbrella above you and, and the people in it that you share it with. Um, and the real, one of the key issues in leadership is to make others repeat the name of your company with pride, and decency, because you then, you then, when people start to do that, you realize you, you're on the right track. It doesn't mean you win. It means you're at the start line, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that means that they're taking uh, pride and ownership in the company. They become the eye in it, and you have 10 eyes, and if you have 10 eyes, you have a team, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, I, over the years, I, I've been, actually, one of the real key issues on leadership, too, I think, is real simple, about positioning your business and properly and, and naming it properly. And articulating what it does yes. properly to people. Yes. It's so <coughs> overlooked. And a lot of people think marketing is um, advertising and um, mail shots and stuff and websites. It's not. It's, uh, marketing is about dissecting your business, understanding what its key value proposition is, communicating that clearly, and coming up with a, a name and a tagline that actually articulate what you do. When you do that, you can lead because you've got something to rally around. It has to make sense, you know. So. Our current company is called Solutionize, a shameless plug for it. it oh, we're it, going to talk a lot about <laughs> Solutionize. <laughs> and how it, did you how did you come about the name Solutionize? Well, because I get it as soon as I hear it. You know, I was like, man, why didn't I think of that? We try to use it as a verb um, and as an adjective and mm -hmm. as a noun. You know, so the nouns, the company, the adjectives, the description of beautifully organized information. Mm -hmm. And the solutionized verb is to actually bring information together to create a solution. So in our sense, uh, a solution is a combination of different products and services that, that solve a particular problem. Um, the biggest example of a, of a solution is a, is a jetliner, airliner. Um, the, the Boeing 747 has got over 5 million parts in it, so it's a solution. It's a solution for flying through the air carrying people. Um, when we created Solutionize, it was intended to help people sell technology and most technology solutions have multiple components products and services they're usually very unique 
Um, so we wanted something to convey the concept of bringing multiple pieces together into a, a whole and, and so that you can brand the whole, brand the solution to solve the problem. The 747 is the best branding of a solution I've ever heard of, you know. Um, and the tagline's good. It's, um, it's a solution selling, social business. And, and the tagline describes exactly what we do, sell solutions. And social business is how we do it. And a combination of that allows you to lead. Actually, uh, be before we really identified and articulated our um, tagline, we went through a few changes. And we were struggling to get heard because it, it, you couldn't lead with it. And so part of leadership is sort of um, very indirect. And it's, it's mm -hmm. leadership needs to bring everything together. And I think a real, real key part of business is that many people forget is the uniqueness of, of positioning your business and, and the uniqueness of naming a business and uh, articulating uh, in the famous elevator pitch. You need to be able to tell somebody in 10 seconds what your business does. And position is a key issue. Um, if I can drift onto that, please. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, there was a famous books written about branding of a business, which is all about leadership. Um, it's by a couple of guys called Trout and Reese. Jack, Jack Trout, as in fish. Mm -hmm. Al Reese, R-E-I-S. They're the most brilliant books. They, um, these guys were senior marketing consultants. They would be hired by Burger King to compete with McDonald's. They'd be hired by Pepsi to compete with Coke. <coughs> they were hired by India to create um, the high-tech branding of India, and they've done pretty damn well at it, I must say. Excuse my language. Mm -hmm. um, Trout and Reese have this great story about positioning, uh, which I think is a leadership trait, uh, if, if you can understand it. Um, it. It's a question and answer. The first question is, who was the first person to fly the Atlantic? You have to tell me. Um, the name is... Charles Lindbergh. Charles Lindbergh, thanks. Who was the uh, second person? Oh, it was was that the uh, the lady? Uh, no, no, the lady Amelia Earhart Amelia was Earhart. third. Oh, okay. So she became the first lady to fly. Right. The the second guy was called Fred Winkelstein, and no one knows, no one cares. Uh, all due respect to Fred. Right. And this is about position. It's, it's saying that <laughs> right. position is about owning a category. You right. Know? So right. leadership's about owning a category. Right. And as um, Lindbergh was first, he was the first person, and Amelia was the second person, a third person, but actually she became the first female to do female, it. Female, yeah. And then you subcategorize um, as you, if you Absolutely. can't, they say if you can't dominate a category, create a new one. And, right. and that's a key part of leadership. You have to understand what mm -hmm. you're doing mm -hmm. and the relevance of it to the market that you're in. Most people, um, it's not true, many people forget that there's lots of companies out there trying to do what you're trying to do in that, in that right. big competition. And um, to know that you're sort of 58th in, in a market in, in New Jersey, let's say, um, can either be inspiring because you want to get to 10th or it's really demoralizing because you think, well, 58th, right. it's a long way to get to number right. one. But that's about positioning. And sometimes mm -hmm. you can go from 58th to first by creating a new category for your business and yourself and a new image, a new brand. Right. A new, mm -hmm. It may be sort of shifting how you communicate about what you do, which mm -hmm. actually helps your team communicate and helps them think about what they're doing. I've done it many, many times, um, shifted that positioning and, and I go from being 58 sometimes to being first or believing I can be first. You know? mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. I think that's the leadership thing. You have mm -hmm. to be able to um, 
particularly in, in startup things, you have to be able to project past where you're at. Right. And I right. think projection is what most people aren't qualified to do because there's no historical norm for it. So I think um, helping, there was a, a very famous guy I worked with who was head of the AT&T Unix division. Um, he sold the division off, uh, got, got AT&T out of the software business. I think it was a mistake, but mm -hmm. that was his mm -hmm. mission. He was right. a big, tall Dutch guy, rule paper, and rule called it future mapping. And he always mm -hmm. said, we must, we must future map. <laughs> and it sounded harsh, but it's actually what you have to do. You have to mm -hmm. map what the future is going to be, not right. what today is, but you have to look out mm -hmm. a few years, try and see what's going to happen, see how society changes, see how trends move. Um, and, and reinvent. And in fact, at the weekend, I went to see, um, went to Avery Fisher Hall with my business partner, and we watched um, mostly Mozart concert mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. opening night. And there was, they played a passage of Mozart and a passage of Beethoven. And Beethoven came 20, uh, 40, 50 years after Mozart. And you could hear listening one after the other that it was a progression in time. Mm -hmm. And um, Beethoven was sort of jealous of what Mozart had achieved. And, wanted to do the same. Mozart didn't know about Beethoven <laughs> coming in 50 years time. So Mozart needed a future map, the market. Right. right. And then Beethoven, um, Beethoven's uh, became very good. Then Brahms, who um, followed. Brahms' first concerto was, um, it took 21 years before he published it and played it. And it was because he was embarrassed that he thought that Beethoven was so much better than him. And I think he was waiting for Beethoven to die so he could be the next <laughs> best composer. 21 years. Um, it's very interesting. All those are examples of mm -hmm. future mapping, you know, right. where you're in a market, albeit, you know, 300-year-old classical music. They're in a market. They, they need to do things. They need to think right. ahead. They need a future right. map. And right. I, think, I think the key to any leadership is, is that future mapping, actually. All the other mm -hmm. qualities I described, mm -hmm. you need to add to it mm -hmm. the ability to future map. There's a book called Outthink the Competition or Outsmart the Competition. Uh, that I was introduced to last year. And in this book, it talks about uh, this company, a real company, created a uh, competitor that the employees thought was a real competitor. And they would compete against this, this so-called competitor. Uh, a year after they had their success, it was revealed to them that this other company wasn't real. <laughs> but they kept the exercise going. And you had some people who were on the A team, some people on the B team. But it kept them looking at, well, if they do this, we should do this. Mm -hmm. and, and they were they were matching themselves. That's that's a, a form of uh, future mapping. It is. It's exactly yeah. future mapping. It's, uh, you have to go through this. You know, I, I still, to this day, get nervous going in to meet people to pitch my business to them. And and it's, it's, it's not nervous in the um, I can't think nervousness. It's mm -hmm. actually ner ner nervous that you want to do the right thing and, and, and incorporate <coughs> everything. I think you need to have, yeah, you need to have that. And, and that re requires you to future map because you have to try and think through, well, what's going what's gonna to be the outcome of this meeting in an hour's time? What, what's going to actually happen? Yeah. And, and you never go into these things thinking just about your pitch. You have to think about what they're going to say, how they're going to act. Um, what do you? Th what are their rejection issues going to be? How will I overcome them? In fact, we just um, we won a, a very big uh, opportunity recently with a, a very large government association to partner with them, and it came because um, 
we'd already sort of been rejected by these guys as not quite ready or they mm -hmm. weren't quite ready for us and I future mapped with them and I convinced them that to meet some of their goals they needed to meet with me and after we met with them we got the support and belief of the leadership and they um, thanked us for, mm -hmm. for, for we weren't too pushy but thanked us for future mapping because we were saying to them you know if you don't do something now this is going to be the mm -hmm. outcome mm -hmm. so th I was more focused on their needs than my own and I think in all these situations that that's really another example of future mapping but really isn't that what it's all about and, and if you're going to want someone to do business with you and you're asking them to pay you um, they need to pay you for something that's going to help them uh, of course yeah uh, and it has to meet some fundamental values too mm -hmm. um, a, a good friend of mine who introduced me to this opportunity um, he, he uh, was head of a government um, in Westchester, head of CIO of Westchester. He um, actually introduced the, the, the concept of um, breadth and mm -hmm. future mapping markets and, and thinking through the gives and gets in life. And he said to me, um, the problem with the internet today, there's no mm -hmm. basis for trust. And it's a really interesting <coughs> point, actually, that, that you raise. You have to think through what the value points are. He, he didn't say that you can't trust people on the Internet. He said there is no basis for trust. Therefore, you have to establish that basis for trust. And I think in, in leadership, in business, establishing trust is the key. Well, you know, Peter, we're going to pick up on this discussion in our next week's discussion because, believe it or not, we are out of time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Peter Watts, the founder and CEO of Solutionize. Peter, thank you for coming on the program, and thank you for coming back next week. Thanks very much, Darrell. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this weekend. This is Darrell Gunter, your host of Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM, Seton Hall University, and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.